This is a recording from a Sunday meeting of the BC Humanist Association in Vancouver. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the BCHA or its board of directors. To learn more about humanism and to support our work, visit bchumanist.ca and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to subscribe to the BC Humanist Podcast. morning. Les Brown is going to be talking to us about Fair Vote Canada. As you're probably all aware, the Liberals have said the first past post system will be changed and now it's a matter of looking at the details and we're going to hear more about that this morning from, from Les. My name is Les Brown. I'm a member of Fair Vote Canada. I'm on the board of Fair Vote Vancouver. I've been involved uh, with Fair Vote Canada for many years, and I've been working on electoral reform uh, for about 20 years. And I would like to thank the BC Humanists for the invitation today and allowing us to speak. I know that you're an iconoclastic organization, and I'd just like to begin by reading a little bit of Michael Parenti from his book, Contrary Notions which uh, is a quote that I really enjoy, and I think that you will probably enjoy, and most of you will probably agree with what uh, Michael is writing here. It is not demanded of readers that they embrace my views, but that they reflect upon their own. How seldom we bother to explore in some critical fashion the fundamental preconceptions that shape our understanding of social and political life. How frequently, as if by reflex rather than reflection, We respond to certain cues and incantations, resisting any incongruous notion. Our opinions shelter and support us. It is an excruciating effort to submit them to reappraisal. Yet, if we are to maintain some pretense of being rational creatures, we must risk the discomfiture that comes with questioning the unquestionable and try to transcend our tendencies towards mental confinement. I'm not accusing anybody here of being mentally confined. In fact, I suspect that you are very much the opposite to the uh, the mentally confined. That's Michael Parenti. I'm going to ask some what-if questions. What if Napoleon had a fully armed B-52 at the Battle of Waterloo? No, that's not today's question, is it? That's the wrong question. What if... We'd be speaking French is the correct answer. (laughs) Yeah. What if, the, uh, what if the BC humanists had a board meeting and there were 10 votes and a motion was raised and uh, four votes were in favour of the motion and six votes were against the motion and the chair said that the motion passed? I'm sure there would be outrage in the room, wouldn't there? And the reason for that is that you expect the decision to be democratic. In the same way, if in Parliament we had, for example, a division on a bill and 40% of the MPs voted in favour of the bill, and 60% voted against the bill, and the Speaker declared that the bill passed, there would be riots on the streets, wouldn't there? Now, one wonders why we don't apply the same, uh, the same logic to our elections. We have a lot of problems with Canada's federal elections. I will only look at the 2015 election. I can get this on. And this is typical of what happens in Canadian elections in the first past the post elections. Um, the Liberals got 39% support. They got 56% of the seats. And they got 
of the power. Okay? So, in the same way that I asked the question about whether 40% should be a majority, I'm going to ask you, should 39% represent a minority in the uh, uh, majority in the Canadian Parliament? I would argue that it does not. That it represents a minority of the vote. 61% of Canadians did not vote for the Liberals. Also, that's the House of Commons. Right? And the Senate, we all know, is unelected. So I'm going to ask the question. I'm sure you can all say that question and understand why. I ask that you'll have to form your, your, um, your own opinions about that. In the 2015 election, 51% of the votes, a majority, only a slight majority, just went absolutely nowhere into a black hole. 51% of the votes were cast for losing candidates. I happen to live in a, um, in a riding uh, where I've supported a party for many years. I won't tell you what the riding is, and I won't tell you what the party is. But uh, we have no real prospect of winning the election in this particular riding. So every year or every four years, I go and trudge out to the polling station, put my little X in the circle, throw it in the box, knowing that it's going absolutely nowhere, go home. I may as well be disenfranchised. I may as well be disenfranchised. And what... Fairvote Canada is asking for here is that the 51% of people whose votes go nowhere are enfranchised. That's what we want. We want our vote to count. And we know that with proportional representation systems that we can, uh, we can get the representation that we desire. One of the reasons that we have these distortions in our electoral system is that uh, we don't really have a national election on, uh, on election day. What we actually have is 338 simultaneous by-elections. And that's not the same as a national election, because it's just 338 slices of the, uh, of the pie. As you already know, Justin Trudeau has promised that uh, this was the last first-past-the-post election. And we believe that there is a better way to elect our politicians using proportional representation. So proportional representation is a very, very simple concept. If a party gets 25% of the vote, they get 25% of the seats. If they get 40% of the vote, they get 40% of the seats. If they get 10% of the vote, they get 10% of the seats. This is a very, very simple uh, concept. There are many ways of getting there. Uh, proportional representation is a family of voting systems that include uh, purely proportional systems where you would, for example, go into the polling booth and just vote for a party. That would be purely a proportional system. Um, and there, are, there is also two main uh, other families. One is MMP, is the mixed member proportional system, and the other one is STV, the single transferable vote. I don't really want to get into the details of uh, what's in those systems. Uh, you can certainly read a lot about what's in those systems and understand them by looking in here, picking up one of these uh, papers, or you can go to uh, the Fairvote Canada website where there are some very good demonstrations of how these uh, system works, these systems work, and I would encourage you to go there and look at those. Criticism that's often made of proportional representation and proportional uh, governments that have uh, proportional representation is that the tail wags the dog. Right? They say small parties have too much power in uh, proportional systems. Well, I would answer that by saying what we have here is the tail wagging the dog because 39% is the tail, 61% uh, is, uh, is the dog. So if we want to avoid the tail wagging the dog, what we need to do, first of all, is to move away from first-past-the-post. Critics of uh, proportional representation systems often use Italy and Israel 
as examples to try and destroy those who are proposing proportional representation. It's, uh, I don't think they're fair analogies for Canada. It's sort of like going to a, uh, a wrecking yard and looking around at all the cars and saying to somebody, look, the cars obviously don't work. These things are all wrecked. They're all smashed. Their uh, cars don't work. And ignoring all the cars that are buzzing around on the street outside. Um, there is a suggestion in that that if we, if Canada were to adopt proportional representation, that we would suddenly develop the religious and ethnic divisions that there are in Israel. That's an absurd notion. Or that we would suddenly develop the kind of large communist party that exists in, uh, in Italy. That is also an absurd nation. If we want to look at uh, countries that use proportional representation that are fair comparisons for us, we should look at a country like Germany, which has uh, an advanced economy and a large Catholic uh, minority, or New Zealand, uh, which is a post-colonial state like us. Uh, it has a lot of European immigration, and it has a large indigenous minority. So they are really appropriate models for us to look at and see whether or not proportional represent representation would work and whether it will work properly in Canada. As you're all aware, there is a parliamentary committee that's been formed to study the alternatives and make a recommendation about what's going to happen uh, in Canada's electoral system. And my bullet here says the devil is in the details, and the devil is always in the details. And what I'm going to do now is to divert for a little while into uh, the alternative vote, because uh, uh, Justin Trudeau is known to support the alternative vote. And I want to explain to you a little bit about how it works and why uh, Fair Vote Canada thinks it's a very bad idea for us to adopt the, uh, the alternative vote. We think the fix might be in, and uh, we're very concerned about it, which is why I raise it now. So I don't want to make this overcomplicated, but I do want to give you a demonstration and show you why and what is wrong with, uh, with AV. The alternative vote ballot is completed by number. Um, not to be confused with the STV, the single transferable vote, because what uh, uh, Justin Trudeau is suggesting is we keep our single member ridings. In STV, you have multi-member ridings, and that's what produces the proportionality in an STV system. This is like voting by number, but only with single member ridings of 338 that we currently, that we currently have. So let's assume we have a ballot that looks something like this. Just take me a moment to put this up. Okay, so in the AV system, um, you would have a uh, circle against each one of these, and you would mark by number uh, which your preferred candidate is, either this independent, this communist, this Marxist, this liberal, this conservative, this green, or this marijuana uh, party member. You would put a number in each one of these. In each one? Yeah, in, in each one. In order of your preference? Yeah, it's in order of your preference. Yeah, in fact, uh, the only place that operates this system uh, on a large scale is Australia, where they use it for the lower house, and it can get, uh, this is another diversion, it gets kind of complicated there, because it's a majoritarian system, and in order to get somebody across the 50th percentile, you have to fill out every circle and put a number in each one. So if you get into a, a complex race in the writing, which I understand they do from time to time, where you might have 
22 candidates on the ballot, you've got to rank them 1 to 22. And if you don't rank each one, or you make a mistake, or you miss one, or you you put a wrong number in, or a number that can't be read, or something like that, your ballot is invalid, right? It's just, it's tossed out. So that's just kind of, sort of dangerous way. But let's assume that we've got into the count process in this, and what we're going to do is we've got a majoritarian system, Okay, so when the count comes along, what they would do is look and find the first preferences, and and I can tell you, I just worked out the numbers uh, yesterday. There's there's 50,000 uh, votes here, so uh, it's majoritarian. So the first candidate, the first party uh, to get across 25,001 first preferences is the winner. And what we're going to do here is look at who's got the lowest. Um, number of first preferences and eliminate them. And then the second preference on those ballots is then transferred as a first preference. Does everybody understand how that will work? So we look and see that the communists have the the lowest number of votes. They've only got 200. So the the communist is eliminated, is taken out of there, and their ballots are redistributed. But I think we can see that when you redistribute 200 uh, ballots across these numbers, nobody is going to cross that threshold of 25,001, right? So then you look at the next one and you say, okay, well, the independent got 1,000, you take them out, and still, oh, sorry, we should, we should have eliminated the Marxists uh, first, the 500, but what happens here with these numbers is none of them is going to take any candidate across 25,001. Indeed, the marijuana party will get eliminated, and that, that won't do it, and the Green Party will also get eliminated, and it probably won't put anybody across 25,000, because even... If, even if all those votes went to the Liberals as their second choice, it would still only put them at 21,000, right? So eliminate that, and what you're left with is the three major parties, the uh, the NDP, the Conservatives, and the Liberals, and nobody is going to cross that threshold until one of the big boys in this race is knocked out. Now, here's the, here's the real devil in the detail, is that... Um, and I'm going to uh, make a smaller ballot now. This is a, this is a different ballot. And I'm going to assume that we've only got the Conservatives and the Liberals and the NDP, which is what it comes down to once you've eliminated the smaller parties. And here in the boxes, the Liberals are number one. They're the, they're the favourite party. Where the second uh, vote goes to, I don't know. It might go to the Communist, it might go to the NDP, it might go to the Independent, it might go to the... I have no idea where it's going to go. But on this ballot, where the Conservatives are the first choice, the Liberals are almost certainly going to be the second choice. That's very likely. We know this is a tendency. And on a third ballot, where the NDP are the first choice, we know that the Liberals are probably going to be the second choice. And what happens here is that when these uh, when these votes are pulled together and the second uh, preferences become first preferences, this is going to put the Liberals in a commanding position in most of the ridings across the country because they're in the centre. This system, the alternative vote, drives votes into the centre. Um, you will also hear it referred to as instant runoff voting. You will uh, hear it called uh, the preferential vote as well, but most people call it the alternative vote. The danger here is that if the Liberals can float this, that they're going to put themselves permanently into power and we will never be able to get them out. There's a, there's a strong anti-democratic streak in some Liberals. Uh, it seems to me, from what I know and the anecdotes and the, the voting you see in the House of Commons, that about half the Liberals support proportional representation and the other half want either to maintain first-past-the-post, which Liberals have been very successful with, 
or they want the alternative vote because it's going to push the political spectrum of voting into the centre. Well, this is the uh, this is what uh, Justin Trudeau has said is his preferred uh, solution to the, the problem, and I don't think it's a solution at all. In fact, um, the research that was done after the 2015 election suggests that if the alternative vote had been used, the, the distortion would have been even worse in terms of the seats that the Liberals got. They would have they would have gained an additional 32 seats and moved from 184 seats in the House up to 216 seats. So it would be even less proportional than first-past-the-post uh, proved to be. Um, there is no proportionality with the alternative vote. Uh, gender, gender parity is not improved with the alternative vote. Uh, we can see in Australia that only 24% of women are elected using the AV system. Uh, whereas in Australia, but they actually use STV, a proportional system, um, to elect the Senate, and there it's 40% women. So we can see that gender parity and women's representation politics is going to be considerably better with PR and with a PR method than with uh, AV or first-past-the-post. Using AV, most Canadians will be represented by their second or third choice MP. That is the problem, not the solution. Okay, so the, uh, the risk of being uh, uh, boring you, I will just restate what PR does and what PR, what we want PR to do. is simply to make sure that the percentage of votes that each party gets is represented fairly uh, in the House of Commons and that all votes count, all votes reach their destination and we can do that using any number of uh, uh, family of systems that are called proportional representation. We do not recommend any particular system at Fair Vote Canada, we will accept any system that produces the, the proportionality that we seek and that is fair and that makes sure that uh, somewhere at or above the 95th percentile of voters and votes reach their intended destination. Is a referendum required to change the electoral system? We've got an answer to that. And the answer is no. The politicians have always decided um, how, we, uh, how they're going to be elected. That in itself is actually probably a conflict of interest. They shouldn't decide how they're going to be um, elected. The Constitution is silent on the issue. It doesn't say how voting is to be conducted. It only says that the franchise is universal. Uh, the British North America Act of 1867, which brought Canada into being as a, in its dominion status, um, did not specify a method of voting. And in fact, at that time, the United Kingdom, which was obviously the model for us, did not use first-past-the-post. It had dual-member uh, ridings, and it didn't adopt first-past-the-post until 1885. So anybody who tries to make the argument that we should, adopt, we should have adopted the British system that they gave us in 1867 is not telling you the, the truth. Um, the electoral system was changed in 1953 when the CCF were threatening to take power from the Conservatives and the Liberals in British Columbia, there was no, uh, there was no referendum. Uh, it was changed back in 1955 when the, uh, when the threat of the CCF, the socialists at the gates, seemed, seemed to have abated. Also, we've had massive changes in the voting system without referendums in the past. I will point, for example, at uh, votes for women. That was half the population. And we're given the franchise. There was no referendum to decide whether women should have the vote. Um, we gave a vote to our indigenous population without referendum. We gave our vote to prisoners in 
um, uh, those incarcerated without a referendum. What we want is the 51% of people who are currently disenfranchised, people like me, and I would guess many people in this room, uh, who ca cannot get a vote that goes to their, their, their destination properly, to be represented, to be properly enfranchised. There's another reason we shouldn't have a, a referendum, and that's that there are large-scale misinformation campaigns. I worked, obviously, on the STV campaign in 2005 and 2009, and there was a massive misinformation campaign for those who were opposed to um, proportional representation. It's often said that uh, we lost the STV referendum in 2005. I don't think that's a proper reflection of what actually happened. You may remember there was 58 support for, um, for STV. And the devil always being in the details again, most people don't remember or perhaps didn't ever know that the 60% threshold uh, was, uh, was um, extraordinary in, in itself. But the Referendum Act actually said that if there was less than 40% support for STV, it automatically failed. If there was more than 60% support for STV, it automatically succeeded. And if support was between 40 and 60%, then it was up to the Cabinet and the Premier to decide whether it was implemented or not. My argument is that at 58%, it was a strong indication to the Premier and to the Cabinet that STV should have been implemented. I don't see that we can have governments with this kind of support, 39%, saying they have a legitimate mandate, and then have a, a, a referendum in which there's 58% support for STV and the politicians saying it failed. It's an absurdity. It's just an absurdity. Ujjal Assange has been involved in misinformation recently on uh, proportional representation. Um, on his blog, he, uh, he purported to quote Churchill by saying that first past the post is the worst form of government except all the others. And of course, that's not what Churchill said at all. Churchill said that democracy is the worst form of government except for all the others. And when he was challenged on it, this is Ujjal Assange, our former premier, he said, well, he was paraphrasing Churchill. Well, I don't think you can really paraphrase with a quote. You either quote or you don't quote. And that's typical of the kind of misinformation that's out there. And, of course, it'll spin on through the media. And lots of people will continue repeating this and repeating this um, ad infinitum. Uh, Churchill was a well-known supporter of proportional representation. He knew that first past the post, he had a lot of experience with it, and he knew that it brought Hitler to power in 1933 in Germany. And he was instrumental in deciding uh, at the end of WW2 what kind of voting system Germany would have. And he was determined that they should not repeat the mistakes of the past, was a strong supporter of proportional representation, and that's why Germany today has the MMP proportional system that it does. Um, can I encourage you to pick up a newspaper and learn more of Fairvote Canada Broadsheet? Once again, um, go to the website, the Fairvote website, uh, website, and uh, you can also make donations to, to Fairvote Canada and become members of Fairvote Canada. The more, obviously, the more um, resources the Fairvote Canada has, the better job that it can do in moving towards a proportional uh, representation system. Thank you for your attention. Do you are there questions? Thank <laughs> you.